Welcome back in Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joints. It is JP in the Hall of Famer Mo Patton. JP here filling in for Chris. He'll be back on Monday. The Sundrop Kid from Alabama, so fret not. He's getting a caffeine IV at the moment. <laughs> the Golden Cola. Oh, man. All right. Um, been a good show today. If you missed any part of the show, by the way, you can always go back and uh, find the podcast. Um, Main Street Sports Today, the first half, which uh, included Charles Pulliam from the Williamson Herald. Uh, also, the second half, which uh, just talked with Andrew the Earl Moore. Not the Pearl Monroe, but Andrew the Earl Moore. And our next guest, who is a Nashville area broadcaster, does all kinds of stuff. Uh, we're happy to have with us on the show, Max Hers, who um, is with us here on Main Street. Max, welcome in the show. How you doing, buddy? What's up, guys? Uh, I owe a long overdue thank you to Mo for getting me on. I was going to be on with him and Chris and Chattanooga, and I was really only there for the morning game, so we never made it happen, but happy to be with you guys. Well, happy to have you, Max. And um, had some career developments, I guess, since since Chattanooga. Got to um, – you, you got a battlefield promotion there, I guess. Did a little um, <laughs> play-by-play for the Preds in the absence of – Pete Weber, um, how many games did you um, wind up doing? I did two. Two. And and what was your record? <laughs> one and one, <laughs> which I'll happily take. <laughs> there, there you go. Um, Preds dropping a 3-2 shootout loss to Edmonton last night on the road, and they've um, – Got a little break here. Four off days before they resume play on Tuesday back at Bridgestone Arena against Vancouver. That's um, a little different. Yeah, so the, the Preds have been really one of the least affected teams schedule-wise by COVID cancellations, and this break isn't because of that. But uh, the weekend off was already part of the schedule. But Tuesday was supposed to be their last game before the Olympic break and there's no more Olympic break. NHL players aren't going to the Olympics, and instead teams are going to play a lot of makeup games so that we can get the season done by the original end date of the end of April and start the playoffs the first week of May. So the president had a few games canceled. Mostly it was because of other teams not being able to play. So they have one of the lighter loads over the month of February. They don't have any back-to-backs in that stretch. They have a couple of weeks with only two games, and that'll help them because a lot of their makeup games are against really good teams. It's a lot of the teams that they were actually in the modified division with last year. The Hurricanes, the Panthers, the Lightning, the Stars, and the Caps are in there too. These are really good teams they're going to play. And they don't have a lot of back-to-backs in there. They don't have a ton of ground schedule-wise to make up, which is good because they're towards the top of the division right now in a pretty secure playoff position. But the most important thing is the no back-to-backs, meaning presumably for the next month, all the way through the outdoor game on that final Saturday of February, UC Soros is going to be able to play every single game, which is really, really big for them because he's been playing a ton. Some people are arguing he's overused. I disagree with that because the schedule has allowed him to play almost every game. And when he's so good, and I mean, the backups have been fine. Ingram was good in a couple of starts earlier in the season. David Riddick is the real backup. He was out for those games, but you want Soros to play every game you can get, and with how long this regular season is now because of the changes with the cancellation and an extra couple weeks here and there, 
just keep playing Soros and give him off in the back end of a back-to-back all the way down the stretch, and I wouldn't really worry about overuse. I think the schedule sets him up okay to just keep on riding it. Speaking with Max Hers, Nashville Predators, insight we're gaining from him. And, you know, Max, January has been a pretty streaky month for the Preds, it looks like. <laughs> when, when you just look at the schedule for the month, they won – what, five in a row? They lost four in a row. They won three straight before last night's loss. Um, and you'll, you'll certainly take the winning streaks, but you, you want to kind of minimize those back-to-back defeats, I guess. What, what are you seeing out of this bunch here as, as the season continues? Yeah, I don't, I don't think the losing streak was a huge deal outside of the first game of that streak, which was actually the second game I announced against the Sabres, which was a bad loss at home to a bad team starting their fifth-string goalie. And the Preds beat themselves in that game. I'm sure they would tell you that. They scored what was basically an own goal. Matt Benning was trying to clear the puck to the corner. UC Soros was a little bit out of the crease, and the puck just hit Soros' leg pad and bounced into the goal. That was the first goal of the game. Then the third goal they gave up in the game to go down 3-1. Roman Yossi had just come on the ice. Phil Myers, who was filling in on the bottom pair, was trying to get off to complete the change. So Yossi's partner, who was Carrier that night, to get on. And they ran into each other in the neutral zone, and Jeff Skinner got a breakaway. You know he's not going to miss that. So that made it 3-1, and they gave up an empty netter. So that was a game where there were a lot of swing plays and uh, just didn't really go their way. The back end of that losing streak was a back-to-back. Uh, the first game in St. Louis, Soros played, but they were really thin on D. Ben Harper, who's now their ninth-string defenseman, had to play, and uh, he had a turnover that led to a goal. So, I mean, that loss, you get what you get with that lineup, and then the next day Riddick started, and they did not win. So when they've been at full strength and had Soros in there, they've had good results most of this month, and I think that's what's most important because if they don't have six capable D-men in the lineup every night, and I think they've found a new number six in Matt Tennyson, who's played the last four games and been pretty solid back there. When they, when they have a D4 they like and have Soros in gold, they've been, for the most part, winning every game they should. Max Hurst, our guest here on Main Street Sports today. Uh, Max, I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, no stranger, obviously, to doing play-by-play, but the opportunity to, to get into the NHL booth uh, hockey has to be one of the more difficult sports to call, uh, not only because of the speed of the game, but the names as well. I'm curious what your preparation, once you got the nod for that, what was that like leading up to uh, to those two games? Yeah, it was the dream come true, first of all, to get to do it. And I'm very fortunate that a couple of folks at 1025 The Game, Chase McCabe and Willie Donick, really recommended me highly to the team and really pushed for me to get a chance to do it and that a couple of folks with the team, Bill Wickett, who is the relatively new chief marketing officer of the team, as well as a lot of the broadcast and media staff, Bob Cole, Kevin Wilson, Nick Barnowski, a whole crew that I do know better from my time here in Nashville, that they were both both sides of it, but really especially the team were trusting of me. The people at 1025 The Game know what I'm capable of and knew that I would do a good job with it. But for the Preds to trust someone in their 20s, whose highest level of hockey game calling experience was Vanderbilt club hockey before this, just because there's not a lot of hockey that gets broadcast in Nashville. I mean, other than the big show, there ain't much. So um, for them to trust me was a really big deal. But to answer your question, JP, about 
my preparation, I tried to keep it as simple as possible, knowing the sport, like you said, and also knowing that it was radio and not TV. I really, I didn't want to give anything that I didn't need to give. I just wanted to know names and numbers. Obviously the most important thing, memorize as many Jersey numbers and line combinations as I could. And uh, that ended up, uh, being good. I mean, I obviously had a chart in front of me that I'd made with everybody's name and number on it in line order, but um, as the games went on, I really did not do much looking down, even for the opposing teams, which uh, I, I was very pleased with how little I had to look down, but I didn't really try to give anything other than who has the puck, where's the puck, what team has the puck, and what zone are they in, and then anything else I could give beyond that is great extra detail. Uh, but I just tried to follow the action. I didn't want to go too fast, which I was worried about. And I think I did a good job with my pacing and speed. So I was really happy with it. And Hal Gill, who I was with, I've, uh, I watched him play in the NHL. I was in the building when he won his only Stanley Cup in 2009 for the Penguins in Detroit. I've gotten to hear him on Preds for, I think, the last five years. He's been the radio color guy. and He's unbelievably good at it. We are extremely lucky to have him. And uh, he, he should be do he should be doing national games. He could be doing national games if he wanted to. I think he may have been asked to do it before, but he likes doing the Preds games, and he is unbelievably good at it. So I knew his strengths as someone who has worked on the broadcast a lot and as it highlights a lot. So I just let him carry a lot of the analysis, and I knew that if I missed something or if I just wanted to get past something because a couple of things happened really quickly, he would be there to recap it and also obviously fulfill his duty of being a color commentator and give the why of how it happened, which uh, is, is his role. Uh, and he's so great at it, but uh, I just answered your question in like five different ways, but that was how I went into it. No, I, well, I could tell. Like I said, I, I'm curious, did, did they set you up with a, a red line phone from Pete Weber in case, uh, in case he needed to, to contact you in the middle of the game? <laughs> Uh, because I, I wish I had a, a red line from Pete Weber implanted in my brain, no kidding. first of all, uh, at all times. Uh, I love that man. He was unbelievably supportive. He is, I've learned a lot from him, um, just from listening and, of course, talking to him as well. But uh, he's so good. And I think the biggest thing I've taken from hearing him uh, call games for a while is it's okay to be funny. It's okay to entertain yourself. And... Preds fans who watch him on TV with Crispy since the beginning and now listen to him on the radio with Hal uh, know that there is probably always going to be something funny or a reference to the slap shot or the 80s Buffalo Sabres or the 80s Buffalo Bison or the 70s LA Kings. Whatever it is, Pete's got it. And even if, even if it's just to make himself laugh or to make his partner laugh, it's perfect. It's so perfect. So um, that's probably the biggest thing I've learned from Pete because I didn't I didn't used to be comfortable telling jokes on air because I feel like a lot of times broadcasters will tell jokes and you'll be like, Oh God, what a terrible joke. Like Tony Romo talking about his golf swing or whatever. Like I don't, I don't give a crap about that. Um, but when timed well, and especially on a local broadcast where the fan base can kind of be in on your jokes and you have a little bit of a shared history with them, I think that has a place. But, um, Every game I edit highlights for, which is my usual job on the radio network, um, I'm probably in there for about a third of the game, which I've been doing for four years and I love doing because um, you get to hear every moment of every game. I always pull funny stuff out of it so um, and send it to Pete, and we get a, a pretty good blooper reel by the end of the year, that's for sure. 
Well, it sounds like, Max, you, you've got a fix on what the broadcast entails, you know, for at the local level and that kind of thing and, and where to inject your personality and that kind of thing. And, and I think that's the key because a lot of folks, like you said, try to be funny at times when it's not. <laughs> you know, so um, that their self-awareness is always a good thing. Yeah, uh, I would 10,000% agree with that. Um, and I think that's something I've gotten better at too every time I broadcast the game. I mean, I, I'm i 27 years old. I've been doing play-by-play since uh, the end of my freshman year of college. And I always feel like I'm getting better at it and fine-tuning little pieces of it as well. So it's, it's always a gradual process. I think everyone in the world who does play-by-play is hopefully getting better every time, even Joe Buck, Jim Nance, Dan Schulman, whoever you want to name, who are the the biggest national voices or your favorite broadcaster or whoever it is. Um, yeah, if you're not get, if you're not getting better, uh, you're not paying attention um, and you're not evaluating yourself properly. So that's something I always try to do. I always try to elicit feedback from as many people as I can. I always want feedback from literally anybody, and this isn't just people in broadcasting. Like, I like when fans, whether it's people I've met or not fans of whatever team I'm broadcasting will give me feedback, even if it's negative. I want all the feedback I can get because everybody listens differently. It's all subjective. So every single piece of feedback I get, um, I try to use. Like one time, uh, one of my favorite pieces of feedback I ever got was from an usher at the Vanderbilt baseball game when I was the side reporter for SEC Network Plus, which I did for six years. um, And I loved being in the dugout with the team. The, uh, The usher said, like, I didn't know we had a sideline reporter for baseball and they had seen me do it and they're like, you do a good job. And they didn't say this because I had done it. It was because I was new to sideline reporting. They said like, the one thing I hate that sideline reporters always do is start sentences with I, when they say like, I spoke to Tim Corbin this week and he told me that Christian little blah, 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 blah. It should always be done in the, third person i don't know if it's first person or third person whichever way it goes but it, it's not it's not an i sentence regardless of if he, who he said it to it would be tim corbin said this week that christian little needs to throw his fastball more in in backward counts or things like that and that's i i really like that piece of advice and it came from an usher at the baseball stadium so <laughs> it's a it's a constant feedback loop um it uh it helps you have thick skin, I'm sure too, as uh, you guys have know, especially Mo in the in the written world. I'm sure you get some uh, funky emails from high school fans and such. Nah, yeah, never. no, no, they, <laughs> they don't they don't have passion about that. Um, well, Max, uh, this this is this has been enlightening, and uh, congratulations, by the way, to all your early success and what little I've talked to you. Uh, you're going to have a long career in this because uh, you, you, you get it, and uh, we look forward uh, to talking to you more. Uh, how can people follow you, by the way, with uh, your your regular work and other things that you may be doing? My Twitter is at MaxHerzHawks, D-A-L-K-S. Uh, my DMs are open there. My email is not very hard to find, uh, but I'll let people sleuth for it out there if they want an uh, easy <laughs> find. And I actually at the first Vanderbilt baseball practice of the year right now watching them take BP. So uh, there you go. hopefully see and hear me a little bit there this year as well. All right. Anchor down. All right, uh, Max, we appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, thanks, guys. Talk to you soon.
All right. Uh, good stuff right there. More to come here on uh, Main Street Sports Today. We'll be back after this.